and welcome in to another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm Karen Steckley. With me, as always, is a man who makes a living securing the bag. He is Cody Stavenhagen. How you doing? Doing all right, Karen. Got to start out this week's pod with a big shout out to Jason Carter. Jason hit me up on Twitter. He said, do you need help getting Taylor Swift tickets? I wasn't sure. We were trying to get him through, you know, the, the conventional methods. Didn't work out. I hit him up. I was like, you know what? Yeah. Jason is a Lions season ticket holder. Got a little special access by and did some business the old-fashioned way. He trusted me. I trusted him. <laughs> got me the tickets. Charged it to his own card. I Venmoed him right back. He transferred me the tickets. Going to see Taylor Swift at Ford Field. Uh, don't expect c- coverage of the Tigers game that night sometime in like June. <laughs> <laughs> now that is crazy because I, I had seen that you had gotten tickets and I had asked you because I'm, I'm just seeing all this stuff on Twitter. Like, you know, the problems people are having and the cursing of Ticketmaster. And uh, I just, I didn't know where you were in the process. And I guess you weren't like one of the pre-selected or whatever. Like, I don't know. Like, I... If, Taylor didn't love me like I thought she did. <laughs> and so, yeah, that was if, – if Twitter was going to go down, it had to go down because of uh, – or right after a Taylor Swift ticket master fiasco that just seemed to dominate my feed everywhere. But you got him. You got him. I'm happy for you. That's, uh, that's a hell of a connection right there. And – with Twitter on its deathbed, it yeah. finally did me some good. And a big shout-out, Jason. He didn't have to do that, didn't have to go out of his way to do that. Uh, that's that's the good thing that came from us annoying people by talking about Taylor Swift on this podcast, I guess. It's a, another example of how great mankind can be, right? So that that's, that's true. That is awesome. All right. Well, a... You know, for it being November, you know, it's a, it's a pretty eventful week in Tiger's land as Scott Harris continues to makeshift this organization and this roster. We'll get to, uh, you know, those moves. We're at the stage now in assessing Scott Harris where we are just going to overanalyze every little thing and actually it's kind of fun it's kind of fun to just be like oh so what does he what does this mean that he thinks about this position or you know this guy or you know philosophy on this maybe that's a little overreactionary as you're just trying to kind of reshape the roster in general but the headline we'll just go with the headline the headline was jamer candelario uh was non-tendered and he will no longer be a part of the Detroit Tigers. On a quick little tidbit, I don't know why people talk that much about, and we did it a little bit too, so I guess we're guilty. This notion of try to get him on a cheaper deal after non-tendering, it was like, A, I don't really think most ball players would do that. B, if you want him, then just pay him the 6.8 or $7 million. Like, there's not a salary cap. What does it matter right, for, the, for the one year? But... Anyway, that's that's the big that's the big headline. Um, also out the door, Victor Reyes, Harold Castro, Willie Castro, Kyle Funkhauser. Just a quick little synopsis of what you're losing in a way. At bats this past season, 467 for Jamer Candelario, 336 for Victor Reyes, 443 for Harold Castro, who by the way was a leading hitter on the team, 271 average. 
200 or excuse me 392 at bats for Willie Castro and uh, in 2021 Kyle Funkhauser pitched just over 68 innings uh that's your starting third baseman that's your fourth or fifth outfielder ish in Victor Reyes that's two utility guys in Harold and Willie Castro and then obviously a uh a setup guy a bull, um bullpen arm with at times some pretty decent stuff that that uh go out the door here so what do you make of kind of those moves i i think what well, the phrasing was expected but still kind of like oh so it happened you know and now we can kind of move forward there's no there we're no longer in the uh you know, you know can you can he do it no can't do it out gone what do you think not messing around. Scott Harris is coming That's in, and he's like, we're, we're not messing around with this. Um, again, none of them overly surprising, but it was still like, oh, I wonder if they'll keep Harold just for the bat-to-ball skills. Like, I wonder if they, like, you know, still think there's something to see with Willie. And Scott Harris promptly like, no, <laughs> no. Like, <laughs> not we're, not we're, like we're not doing this anymore. And isn't that a relief? You lose all these at-bats, and yet you lose uh, zero actual production. That's just the reality. Harold Castro, Willie Castro, Victor Reyes, all well over a 1,000 at-bats, plate appearances in their Tigers career. And uh, I tweeted out their stats, very little to show for it. Um, you know, 3 to 4% walk rates, either negative to, you know, one war at best over a three-year period. Very little to show. Jamer's obviously the headliner because he was at times a productive player, but we've been through it. The hot and the cold, the up and the down. I think it just got a little too much to bear, especially when you're talking a $7 million price tag, especially when you're talking defense that wasn't very good last season. Um, You know, the Tigers, it sounds like, did try to strike a deal at a lower amount of money and they could not come to an agreement, which, as you pointed out, isn't a surprise. I guess technically they could still negotiate a deal, but uh, I think you're right. If they non-tender him, that would seem like a sign that we are done with Jamer Candelario. That does beg the big question. You got to get a starting third baseman now, and it's a little tough Mm -hmm. still to figure out who that's going to be. Uh, There are some other interesting non-tenders out there across the league at third base. Brian Anderson, who hit 20 home runs a couple years ago for the Marlins. Edwin Rios, very talented guy for the Dodgers, who's never really shown it uh, through a sustained period at the major league level. Both guys that have battled injuries. It's like, I'd be interested in a couple of those additions, but I don't think you can pencil in either of those guys as like your third baseman, at least not, and feel super good about it. Uh, But all this retooling, all this reshaping, we saw some guys protected from the Rule 5 draft, which we'll get to. Uh, it's all it's all setting it up where it's like okay phase one we're about done house has been cleaned and now the real crux of all this how are you going to get some better players in there I think that's going to be super super interesting because as we've already talked about there's not one exact blueprint to doing it uh, but now we know exactly what spots the Tigers have to fill the infield especially you got a lot of work to do because you got to get a third baseman you know are you content with torque at first, scope at second? I don't know. And you got to fill a couple of utility spots now. So a lot to do and a lot more to come this offseason. And you talk about some of those other non-tender guys. There's probably people on 
you know, like a Guardians podcast or, you know, I'm just naming out, you know, random names like, you know, Mariners or, you know, whatever. And they're probably like, well, you know, they, uh, you know Jamer Candelario, he did hit 42 doubles two seasons ago. <laughs> it's, it's, it's real. Someone's going to scoop up Jamer, man. And, you know, that is one thing about this non-tender. What are the chances of Jamer outperforming whoever replaces him in Detroit? They might be kind of high. At the yeah. same time, like, I, I can't fault well, the Tigers here, for moving on from Jamer. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Sometimes these moves are made not necessarily with the goal to, like, immediately upgrade, per se, like, the next season at that position. Sometimes sometimes it comes down to we've been down this road too long and it's just time to cut bait, you know, and or for the player, maybe they need a change of scenery. You know, it's it's not always just a stats thing, although obviously that's a heavy part of it. Uh, so keep that in mind if Jamer hits uh, 22 home runs next season or whatever, you know, like there's there's more to the equation than, than just him. In regards to you know, kind of filling these holes. Um, so my father, who's, you know, been on this podcast, obviously the reason for uh, for me being a Detroit sports fan, he fixes, he has his whole life, Motown kid, obviously, he fixes cars a lot, you know, buys them, fixes them up a little bit, sells them six months later. Uh, one of the things, one of his philosophies is when you have the choice between like the cheaper part or the more expensive part he'll buy the cheaper part see if it works and if it doesn't he just returns it and then he gets the most the more expensive <laughs> part i think that's going to be a lot of scott harris for the next 20 months you know like like there there's going to be a lot of like all right let's see this not working all right cool boom i mean how many waiver claims then you know got dfa'd or whatever already uh so there's just Catcher, gonna be a michael Paparisky, yeah. jermaine palacios is luis garcia still in the roster i don't even remember there's been so many moves <laughs> yeah he's already claimed guys and they dropped him sean gunther left-handed pitcher but here's the part of here, here's why he's doing this gunther cleared waivers he's been outrighted he's going to stay it seems like in the Tigers system in AAA you get a nice left-handed pitcher you build some depth there's a way of acquiring depth I know for fans it's it's really tough to get excited about like waiver claims right but this is something the Avila front office just did not do despite having a terrible team they weren't overly active on the waiver wire in which oftentimes you can find some quote-unquote distressed assets and some surplus value and um, you're not going to be bringing in a ton of big names, but it worked for the most part in San Francisco, a Giants team that was built through somewhat unconventional methods, won 107 games in 2021. And even though they disappointed last season, they were 81 and 81. Um, and now look at that team. They're gearing up to spend big bucks in free agency, uh, because they built their roster in kind of such an efficient manner. So that's what we're doing here. I understand anyone who's not getting hype about waiver claims, but there is absolutely a method to this madness from Scott Harris. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the, the term like purge has, has been used and I kind of look at more as like a, like a shed. You're kind of shedding some, um, I'm trying not to be overly rude here, like dead weight, 
I'm uh, sticking with purge. I think it's just vomiting. <laughs> you know, you got you got too too much bad stuff in your stomach, and you're just like, we just got to get this out all at once. <laughs> Sky Harris just put his finger down the Tigers organization <laughs> mouth, making him. <laughs> Been there, Scotty boy. Been there. <laughs> um, the flip side is we we got some um, we got some guys that have been at one point hyped prospects have significantly leveled off, but have also kind of leveled up a little bit. Not you know not too high, but. Adding added to the forty man roster, Reese Olsen, Parker Meadows, Wenzel Perez, Andre Lipkis, and Brendan White. Did I say that right? Lipkis? Lipschitz, I believe. Lipschitz, Lipschitz. My bad. Andre. Uh all of them, um, I believe are about twenty two, twenty three years old. So kind of at the point where it, it's like next step time. And some of them I would say are positive developments. Uh Maybe somewhat unexpected. Parker Meadows and and Wenzel kind of come to mind there. Guys that written off might have been too strong, but it kind of been been gone out of mind. I don't know. Maybe maybe, maybe they were. I think I think we had pretty much written off Parker Meadows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm uh, yeah guilty of it. Do you would would you have predicted he would have been added at this time last year? This time last year, no way. This time last year was like this guy can't hit. Then he had a transformative season. So again, shout out Parker. You know, put in the work or very much earned this spot. What about what about Wenzel? Wenzel, uh, I probably wouldn't have predicted him being added to the forties. A little bit younger, international guy. I can understand that that his development, you know, maybe wouldn't be as linear. Maybe it would take a little longer. Not overly surprised by that, but it's like. He had such a good season that number one, he reestablished himself as a a uh, somewhat legitimate prospect, and number two, clearly the Tigers felt good enough that they wanted to protect him from the Rule Five Draft. I will say I was a little surprised the Tigers protected as many guys as they did, given what we've seen about Scott and how much he values this forty-man flexibility. And, you know, I think teams like especially in the the Avila era, we would kind of obsess over like who's going to get added to the 40 man? Who's going to get protected? In reality, it's like, okay, well, we know the success rate of rule five draft picks. It's not very high at all. And how many teams are really going to be willing to carry one of these dudes on their roster the entire year? Is there a team that's going to carry Winslow Perez for an entire year? I have a hard time seeing it. Uh, probably the biggest surprise in this batch was Brendan White, relief pitcher who had a, a really strong year in Erie. He was a late round draft pick and um, kind of came out of nowhere. I actually wrote about him in minicamp and then uh, then AJ Hinch made fun of me for writing about him. And it's like, <laughs> guess what, AJ? This guy's on your 40 man now. So, Who's laughing you know, <laughs> um, and I, and you know, I think White is more the type of guy who, conceivably a team might have been interested in here's a guy with great metrics on his slider a little bit under the radar but killed it in double a i'm sure scouts loved him and you can always kind of take a flyer on a bullpen guy parker meadows you had to protect because he had such a strong year like you kind of just couldn't risk losing him andre lipschitz a little more interesting had a really good year um 
some people are saying he's he's an underrated prospect. I've seen him a lot with my own eyes and never been blown away, but he had like a 381 OBP in the minors. You got to give him credit there. Uh, but it's like, is he a legit prospect now? Is that how we're viewing him? Is he another Cody Clemens? You know, I, I'm not sure. Um, but suddenly you look at, especially this infield and you look at this depth and it's like, Andre Lipsch is going to have a chance to make his major league debut next year. Mm -hmm. If he plays it all like he did last season. Yeah. So we've talked to, you know, we use the term purge, right. For, uh, for the Castros and the Reyes and the Jamers. But these guys that got protected were very much just minor league versions of the Castros and the Reyes and the and, and the Candelarios because they were guys that the previous regime had thought highly of, invested highly in, and had not lived up to that billing. And obviously when they're still prospects, there's more hope than just the guy who's floundering in, in the major leagues. But to me, I, I, I kind of like, like I literally wrote these down in my notes next to each other because I like the paradox of it because, like I said, they're basically sim they're, they're similar minor to major league stories. But these guys were protected and these guys were let go. And to me, that, that means Scott Harris is not literally cleaning house. You know what I mean? Like, not like... The Avila guys that were invested, like I said, invested highly in. There's still some that he likes, obviously, or wants enough to protect or whatever. So to me, that's that shows that Scott Harris is more open-minded than this team sucks. Their farm system sucks. We are we are just kicking everybody out like there's a more measured approach here than like when you hear the term like purge you see what i'm saying like i there's more thoughtfulness to well, it well it's the guys who you had literally seen and seen play at the major league level and they hadn't been overly successful it's like all right we got to move on young talent hey yeah development's not linear they can still get better we, we like their profile their makeup let's see some more of them uh, unspoken here, two Avila trade acquisitions gone in one day in Willie Castro and, and Jamer Candelario just out the door. But one kept, Reese Olsen, or protected, I should That's say. That's true, Reese Olsen. Olsen. Shout out Reese Olsen. Interesting, if Al Avila were still the general manager, would Willie, Harold, and Jamer all have been non-tendered? Victor Reyes, too. Really interesting question. I actually, I had I had that written down okay. because I, I, I think, think no. my answer is no. I think my answer think is my no. Answer is no. Because I think I think Al was guilty of clinging, and look, if you make the, you make the move, like you're gonna want to hang on as long as possible. That's obviously just the nature of it. But Scott Harris comes in, he's like, "Nah, man, I'm cool, I'm cool." And the thing is, though, like if we are to believe what we believe about Scott, this move with Jamer was not made in a vacuum. This move was made knowing the possibilities afterward and where he's going to have to, where he wants to set his sights on to fill that void. Like we talk about him not producing. It's still a void. I mean, and it's the biggest void of the guys that were non-tendered. And it was one of those things that he actually did. Jamer check some boxes that, Scott has said kind of fill the philosophy in terms of, I know he's a switch, you know, um, not necessarily numbers, but just like, you know, 
he he would be a reclamation project for the Tigers this season. Exactly. If, yeah, that's that's, <laughs> that's why it's such a weird team. case, and I I don't know how much of a right answer there was with Jamer. That's why ultimately I think it was just best to move on. I think yeah, if he's gonna do better, a change of senior will be good. If the Tigers are gonna get better, like. You get, and it was his last year team control. Like, what, what were you really getting out of that? You weren't going to extend him, you know. Wasn't going to be much of a trade asset. No. Um, plus the lingering. That's another thing too. It's like you you you, you give him the six point eight, the seven million, or whatever, and you know you're not extending him. Right. Then then you got to ask him about it. You got to ask AJ about it. You got to whenever Scott's available, you got to ask him ask him about it. And then you get like a press player who might be like, you know, might just be an odd fit in the locker room, you know, uh, especially when you're trying to cultivate a culture with a bunch of these young players. Uh, a guy who was once one of those young players with promise who has uh, has flatlined a little bit. So, like I said, these are all these things I imagine kind of went into it, and and the best personnel people take those things into consideration too and i would also wager this was all of this stuff was made not that he needs it job wise but made with the green light of aj i i would just imagine that this wasn't something that aj woke up one morning and was like oh i don't have a starting third baseman anymore i don't have my leading hitter from that last season i don't have a guy I could play in the infield in the outfield. Like I imagine this was all done with you know, like a cooperative effort. I'm just guessing. Uh I mean, yeah, Scott's talked about that leaning on the expertise of people who are already in house for their evaluations of these players. Uh obviously I'm sure he leaned heavily on AJ. If I had to guess, I I don't think AJ has lost any any sleep over losing these guys. I think he's um you know, excited about an influx of new new players on this roster. Is the Kyle Funkhauser thing gonna? That was interesting. I don't want to say I don't. I don't want. I want to say come back to bite him, but there's there's some loss there. I would say. Yeah, yeah. I was a little. I don't want to say I was surprised. Like I don't know what this guy's medicals look like. They must be not encouraging he missed a full season he's still not throwing um he has a little bit of a history of injuries that make really makes me wonder like what exactly is going on there clearly the tigers did not feel optimistic about him uh being available and returning right to form in 2023 otherwise i think he would still be on this roster um so i wonder is this something where you can bring him back on a minor's deal and get him healthy or is it something where you're just ready to be done with the guy or you didn't like how his rehab went um there, you know there are kind of some unanswered questions something we'll definitely have to ask scott about next time we talk to him uh, i've long said Funkhauser is not a guy i want to see end up like pitching for the rays or the dodgers because he's got some really good stuff he showed it um in 2021 but it seems like whatever's been going on with his shoulder just got to a point where it wasn't uh, wasn't worth you know giving any more patience. I would love to know the Rolodex of guys that, you know, to go back to Jamer for a second, because, you know, as much as I agree with you of what you said about Funkhauser, you know, relief pitchers, like, let's be honest, you know, there's a lot of them out there. Um, um, that but, too, that too. Re- Replaceable, yeah. ultimately. But we- the third baseman options out there, this is where, and you've said this 
a million times. And I think that's going to be the ultimate example of the creativity of Scott Harris is filling that void. Because you look at free agents and you're like, you know, there's a lot of guys that are in the home stretch, I would say, of their careers. They're also right-handed. Uh, things that things mm-hmm. that Scott has said that he doesn't necessarily like want to target. But then again, here we go, talking both sides of my mouth. It could also show some flexibility of his own mantras where it's like, look, this is still the best available player for these reasons. You know, Joe Blow, third baseman who bats righty, but he fits this need better or at a better price point or age or development arc or whatever than, you know, just signing a left-handed hitting third baseman for the sake of it. You see what I'm saying? So there's probably going to be this, – this might be a case where – he kind of has to compromise and which uh, um what he wants because of what's available which i also think is a good sign in and and a guy who's uh in a front office guy well what what we know now is you're you're going to be filling presumably more than one infield spot you can get a right-handed guy and a left-handed guy and uh, all the story on the athletic monday looking deeper at how the tigers can reconstruct this infield and i'll be honest as as we've already talked about, it's kind of hard to know. You know, there's some interesting options in free agency. Jace Peterson's the lefty guy, can kind of play utility. He's not a big power hitter, but he gets on base. I think he'd be a nice piece. Um, and then, but I think it's pretty clear, like, this is going to have to be rebuilt through signings, through trade, through waivers. And when you look at the trade market, I think that's another thing about these non-tenders. Like, surely Scott has a plan for how he's going to upgrade him, right? I think he's got to have a couple trades in mind. And it's hard to know exactly what those are. It's hard to just look at the league and say, oh, they should trade for this guy. Like, you don't know who's actually available. We don't know who's, um, you know, what other teams Scott has already had conversations with. I, I feel like there's got to be an interesting move coming uh, because otherwise it's, it's hard to figure out who in the world is going to be your starting third baseman next year. Yeah, and you know one of those guys is available, and this is a guy that fits the mold of what I was talking about is Longoria. Uh, Longoria, as Stuart Rios has noted, that if the Giants did not pick up his option, which they did not, he only wanted to play in a city where he owns a home, which is Phoenix and uh, somewhere else out west. So, unless he changes his mind, <laughs> sounds like he will retire before he spends his spring in Lakeland and his his uh, summer in Detroit. But eight million or so <laughs> could always make a man change. His yeah, mind. you know it ought to, uh, in my opinion. Uh, and you know, in terms of, we'll just talk about this briefly because I don't think there's much to add to it. But in terms of like creativity, or just kind of these small trades that build up a depth, I should say, acquiring Steel Walker. Um, yeah, yeah. kind of not like hype about it, but I, I watched Steel play at Oklahoma. He's he's got some pop. Like he's he's an okay guy. I, I'm not sure what kind of big leaguer he is, but got him for pretty much yeah. nothing. So those it, cash considerations. He it used to be the guy uh, selling Tigers. Used to be the team <laughs> selling their dudes for cash considerations. So, and that was Scott Harris and old boss Farhan Zaidi making their first little move together uh farhan commented on it and, and basically was like yeah this is no surprise coming from scott um another another just interesting roster building nugget i picked up this week as we know the tigers kind of remain 
interested in bringing back Andrew Chafin. Um, I was told that they, they basically talked with Chafin after the end of this year, said, hey, we're going to decline this option, but tack on a couple more years. We'd love to resign. You know, we'd love to come up with an extension. Chafin's agent. It sounds like the, the Tigers. Team, right? Uh, yeah, and it sounds like Chafin, or excuse me, Harris and the Tigers were kind of like, we'd love to have you back, but we have so many needs that we can't really commit assets to the bullpen yet. Like, we're going to keep in touch with you, but we got to kind of see how the rest of this comes together before we figure out how much we're going to spend on our bullpen. So that just gives you another idea of like where things fall on on the priority list for the Tigers right now. I think it's super possible Chafin comes back, but uh, you know that's probably not a reunion that would happen until everything else is done. I mean, when did he sign last year? I just feel like he's probably going to wait. He signed in spring training, but you know he's going to have other teams knocking on his door. It's like, all right, Andrew. How much do you like city living, you know? Because I, I think the New York Mets might want you, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, then there's some of this stuff where how much how much kind of handshake deals have kind of gone on and, and yeah. you know, how much do you trust, you know, the, uh, the other party? Either way, you know, either way, how much do you trust them? Because you don't want to be hung out to dry, so to speak, if you're the player thinking you're going to be able to go here at a certain price point and then all right. of a sudden that... Uh, that is not available. So yeah, that's interesting. And you know what? The right move. Like as as much as totally. as much as uh much as Andrews A was fun to just kinda have on the team with his personality and, and all that stuff and you know, the way he looks and um the way he kind of goes about his business is a lot of fun. But is it would it be the smart thing to try to just like throw eight million plus an option or whatever, like you could, but you don't have to. So why would you? You know what I mean. So yeah. Well, uh, actually, speaking of front office moves and the Meadows family and arbitration and all these things, uh, I guess kind of flew under the radar a little bit. It's kind of like a one-off. Austin Meadows. I mean, it's not like the biggest deal in the world. Austin Meadows. They agreed to a uh, agreed to a contract uh, for four point three, I believe, four point three million to avoid arbitration. Uh, Meadows is a guy that I just really want to see succeed for the Tigers. I thought it was a, a nice move. You know, Paredes, good for him. Like, I don't think any of us were, like, shocked um, to, to see him produce, although maybe a little higher than anticipated. But, you know, every, I feel like a lot of people in, in and around follow the Tigers had, you know, good, solid opinions of Paredes. But they liked the, up, you know, the potential upgrade of Meadows. And for the reasons that you just could not make up, it, it never happened for him. Hopefully everything's good mentally, physically with him. Um, this season he can come back uh, stronger because I think he'd be a key cog in the lineup and an important veteran uh, voice that was basically missing the entire year, When especially when things got really dry. Could be a good mentor to Riley. Um, sure could be helpful for Torque as well. So, um you know, just in terms of moves that were made to keep guys, you gotta can't mention not mention that one because uh, not that he wasn't going anywhere, but you know what I mean. Like you know, nice nice little uh, hopefully a nice sign that he'll have a productive 2023 season and be the guy that they traded for. So interested to see what Austin, what you know, just 
what's he look like? Like, what happens when he shows up for spring training? What kind of shape is he in? How's he? How's he doing mentally? And how's it's he playing on the ball the field? You know, it, it it'll almost be like getting a new player again. You know, it'll almost be like getting Austin. Like you're basically adding Austin Meadows to your team. You know, yeah. this offseason as like a free agent, basically. Good. Yeah. So yeah, so he yeah, so not even didn't even mention the the trade late and like all these things. Uh, life turned upside down in a variety of ways. So hopefully everything's good for them and you know good for the Meadows family. You got you know. Got a re-upped in a way, I guess you could say, and then Parker protected by the organization. So good for the Meadows family. Uh, the busyness. <laughs> you mentioned uh, Scott's former boss over in San Francisco. I love the quote. It's like he's busy. Uh, yeah, he <laughs> he is. Uh, he he is quite busy. One Scott Harris, and that includes the revamping, reimagining. I guess you could say, of uh, the coaching staff. And none better examples than uh, than bringing in three hitting coaches. So we're going to have hitting, not hitting coach by committee, but we're going we're gonna to have a plethora of voices uh, trying to turn this Tigers offense around. Keith Beauregard, I don't know if I'm saying these wrong. Keith Beauregard, James Rawson, and Michael Brader? Is that how you say it? Bedar. Bedar. Uh, who is a Michigan man, and a fun little story that you wrote about this week, Cody, for Mr. Bedar. Yeah, you know, A.J. Hinch has used the word hitting department, and I think that's a good way to think of this. It's like, a, <laughs> I don't know, it's a whole department of hitting coaches. You're really only adding one. You know, you had two hitting coaches last year, but, you know, Bedar is the big name. He's only 28 years old, which is which is kind of crazy. He, last year at age 27, was the hitting coach of the Padres, and he's been in a hot commodity for the past couple years. He worked under uh, Scott Harris as a minor league hitting coordinator in the Giants system for two years. He was on the same Michigan staff as Chris Fetter, so those players had some pretty good coaches that they were yeah. that they were working under. And, you know, he's, he's the definition of kind of new wave, new school, super big into biomechanics. Um, not only is he into analytics, his first year at Michigan, his job was basically constructing an analytics department. He built like a database, an internal website. He taught himself how to code, you know, there's a super smart guy, um, with a great understanding of modern hitting. Now, I think an important point here is that being a hitting coach kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Last off season, I think it was 17 teams changed their hitting coach. Uh, Michael Bedar is a, a hot commodity rising star, and the Padres were kind of up and down. And you know, I think Bedar got some got some blame from Padres fans, uh, just like Tigers fans were. You know, had the pitch force out for Scott Kubah all year, and um, it is interesting. You know, he had a talented team, a, a, a ton of talented players, and the Padres were, I think, thirteenth in runs scored. They're slightly above league average offense. Juan Soto came over there and it kind of underperformed. Like, is that Michael Bedard's fault directly? No, I doubt, but I doubt that. But, you know, it goes to show just because you hire these guys doesn't mean, oh, suddenly everything's better. But I got to say, uh, learning more about Bedard, I think it's, it's, I think the intellectual level of discussions going on in that batting cage are going to be upped. Uh, I think that was needed. And, you know, hey, if, if, Diving into biomechanics isn't everyone's style. You got two other coaches who are probably each bringing their own styles. Keith Beauregard, 
Yet another guy hired from the Dodgers organization. He worked in their minor league system the past couple of years. And then James Rosen. I don't know if it's fair to call him like more old school. I don't I don't know the guy, but let's just say he comes from a more uh, traditional mold. He spent three years as the bench coach for the Marlins. This guy interviewed once upon a time for a Red Sox managerial opening. And he used to be the hitting, hitting coach for the Minnesota Twins from, I think, 17 to 19. Um, in which the, the Twins had some pretty good offensive teams, um, including that 2019 team that, that set a record with 307 home runs. So he's an experienced, more traditional hitting coach. You get Bedard, you get Beauregard. Um, interesting, like how many voices is too many voices. Mm, yeah. But uh, you're going to have a lot of perspective and three guys who seem super qualified to lead this this revamped hitting department, obviously with the end goal of making this Tigers offense uh, not completely putrid like it was last season. <laughs> well, to me, when I when I kind of speculate on what this looks like, I or like in practice what it looks like, it's like if you have three voices and you got, I'll just say 40 just for the sake of a nice round number. You got 40, 40 guys, you know, minus pitchers, whatever. You know what I'm saying? You got all these guys. One of those three ought to be able to connect with yeah. every single one of those players, and, I to, and there'll probably be some overlapping or whatever. There's got to be a grand plan that the other two can execute. But hitting is so mental that you you just got to be able to connect with these players. And I would love to know uh, that. That Bedar has like sent emails or texts to Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson and be like, "Hey man, I I, I got a plan," you know, blah blah blah. I, I told someone I think Michael Bedar needs to fly out to Phoenix right now, and I think he needs to like bring a sleeping bag, and I think he needs to sleep on the floor next to Spencer <laughs> Torkelson, and like when they get up, maybe like you know tie a rope to him and just <laughs> get the, get like a Ted Williams audio book and just have like Torkelson like fall asleep to it. Uh, every yes. day, <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind that at all. But yeah, you're right. Get, get some hands-on stuff. And again, if he is the younger guy, uh, hopefully he's gonna be able to connect. I'm sure he will. That's part of the allure of him with the two young hitters that you know yeah. they, you know, could have shared almost shared high schools together. You know what I mean? Like they're not that. <laughs> Not that I uh, played in a college game against Ryan Kreidler. That's how young he is. <laughs> that is uh, that is insane. But it's also another example of the forward thinking approach. Um, that's again, I talked about. I talked about this last week, a couple weeks ago. You asked me what I kind of thought of some of these some of these moves in and outs, and, and and I said it means nothing right now. Obviously, there's no results that have come from these moves as of now, but. If you say you're going to do something, you say you have some sort of plan and you you know there's only so much you can share with it, you being Scott Harris, these are the kind of moves I think that makes sense. I'm connecting this to what you said at you know your opening press conference or at Vegas or on LB Network or on 971 or you know whatever. Like these fall in line with with what he laid out as his vision. And you know, quite frankly, so did the uh non-tenders uh, um, as well. So that's encouraging for me. 
Another unorthodox hire, bringing in Robin Lund to uh, help out Chris Fetter. Uh, the guy, what was he? He's a kinesiologist, or he was a kinesiologist, or, or yeah, he's like a professor, like literally teaches a, a some kind of class, you know. In addition to being a uh, assistant coach at Iowa, so um, you're 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 pretty much getting a doctor, you know. You're pretty much getting like a Tom House type on your staff, um, and Wani Evis is going to stay on. So you now have three pitching coaches as well. Uh, sounds like basically this is a move to free up more time for Chris Fetter instead of Fetter having to deal with everything in modern pitching, the game planning, the data, the bot. We keep using this word biomechanics. I hinted at that a lot last year. It's an emphasis. It's going to be expanded a lot. The Tigers are hiring an additional biomechanist. They are going to dive in with players on, Hey, here's how your body works. Here's how we can improve the way your body functions. Here's how the, we, we can look at your physical strengths and physical deficiencies and figure out the proper swing, the proper delivery, or figure out how to fine-tune your delivery to add velocity to, you know, whatever it may be. Tigers have gone all in on this, and it sounds like this is going to be Robert Lund, Robin Lund's area of expertise. So rather than Fetter having to block off like an hour of his day to Dig into biomechanics, Fetter can spend that day just working with pitchers, game planning, and know that he has someone else very capable um, kind of looking at things from that aspect. It's basically a divvying up of the workload for Chris Fetter. Well, another thing, and you know, the, the Henny hires qualify this as well, is to, again to tie back to what Scott said at his opening press conference. He is trying to make Detroit a destination of sorts uh, to get players who, you know, like maybe have fallen off a little bit and, you know, sign you sign one year in Detroit, you'll get good coaching, you'll get good numbers, and, you know, your career will be on a better path than it was previously. Um, I think that's, a, I, a, I think that's very smart, especially in a market like Detroit where you're just not you know, it's not getting premier free agents like, like the Coastals, right? That's So these are another examples of, of Scott kind of falling through on that. And when you're just, like I said, when you're just looking for things to kind of cling to, that's what you really need to cling to. Like the right now, fans need to just kind of cling to the message and the practice and the thought behind every single one. And remember that in April when... Torkelson is three for his last 18 or whatever, you know, like there, there's this, this is not going to happen overnight, but I, but the method behind the madness, I'm hundred percent behind. And I do feel like this is, this also more feels like an AJ Hinch type, uh, infrastructure. This, this feels like it kind of fits his mold more so than, than what was, uh, what was previously here. I also had kind of a funny thought that uh if i wonder if there's going to be some like with all this advanced biomechanics and analytic people and these youngins taking these big boy jobs i wonder if there's you know if there's an old guard in baseball that's kind of like seething the teeth a little bit like what are oh, they you doing know there is. yeah <laughs> yeah there's there's no doubt who's this young buck uh, hired to be their hitting coach you know 
Yeah, and how much validity is there to that? Like, we'll never know. I'd rather have a guy who embraces all the knowledge and information, but maybe that's me being 28 myself. Like, you can certainly, you know, we've seen it in baseball. You can go too far in one direction. And that's why I like that they hired three coaches, including, you know, one guy um, who's been a big league hitting coach before who, again, I don't know his philosophies, but... um, you know, is, isn't like the tech data type guy as much. I think that's good. I think it's good to have a little bit of everything. Yeah. I think it's also good to like utilize information and embrace science and, you know, be up to speed with, uh, with the best teams in the league. Yep. And again, grabbing a lot of guys from successful organizations and interesting point here. Uh, the tigers have yet to announce their third, third base coach. They have one more staff opening. Um, I don't even know for sure if, you know, if it will be announced as third base coach or if they'll restructure it some other way. I would expect that to happen probably before Thanksgiving. And I'll just leave it at this. I think it might be an interesting hire. Let's stay tuned. We got one more coaching edition to come. Ooh, a little tease. A little tease. A little tease for the folks. I'll leave it at On that for now. We'll see. <laughs> On the Thanksgiving week. Uh, well, you know, speaking of Thanksgiving, got any, got any fun Thanksgiving plans, Cody? No, this, no, this year's not going to be that fun for Thanksgiving. You know, uh, I'm not, I'm not going home. I was just home and I'll be back home for Christmas. Uh, tried to get my dad to come up here, but this airline industry is ridiculous. Flights were like a thousand dollars. So I think I'll spend a little time with my girlfriend's family, but I also, I don't know if we talked about this on the pod, my uh, our wonderful producer Olive had uh, surgery to repair a torn uh, canine cruciate ligament, basically a dog's ACL. She's been out of pocket, requires a lot of supervision. So I'm basically staying home with her as much as possible. That's also going to somewhat cramp my, my Thanksgiving style. What about you? How are you doing? Well, we, uh, we are hosting as I have this... I think it kind of irritates my wife a little bit, but I love to host like these big holiday parties, even though it is a lot of work. It's it, like I do a lot of work around the house, just like she does, like during these parties and stuff. But I also like I. It's like it's also lazy in my mind because I don't want to go anywhere. I'd rather just have people come to <laughs> come to my house. Yeah, I don't think it's lazy. It's more, I, I like to go somewhere. I don't have to yeah, worry see, about anything. That's y'all's problem. I'm going to eat your food and, and get out yeah, of here. See, I just think, I was like, yeah, but I don't have to leave. So I don't mind running around like, like a chicken with my head cut off, you know. <laughs> uh, we made the decision to not do turkey this year. Uh, and and in part and leading up to it because it seemed like they're gonna be really expensive and there's like a bird flu and availability and I guess that's not really hasn't really come out as much as uh, in, anticipated but we are gonna do ourselves a brisket Thanksgiving that's a Texas Thanksgiving right there I like it yep so we'll do uh, we'll do some some mac and cheese some uh, some uh, mashed potatoes and we'll still have some of the holiday holiday ish you know sides and desserts and all that stuff but um i was like you know i kind of want to do a brisket and then not really knowing how that would land you know and uh and my lovely wife was like all right let's do a brisket then i like the traditional thanksgiving foods you know not anti-turkey uh probably my favorite thanksgiving dish is still like a 
dressing slash stuffing, depending on where you're from. Mm-hmm. If it's done right, if it's moist, if it's done well, you know, it's it's tough to beat that. But two years ago, during COVID, spent Thanksgiving, just my dad and I, and we had steak and crab legs for Thanksgiving. And let me tell you, <laughs> sometimes don't you don't always have to. That was, a, that was a great Thanksgiving meal, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well... Well, well, we're going to have a, a decent amount of people over, maybe like 12, including uh, brother and sister-in-law who uh, never like to come over for Thanksgiving because they don't like the fact that we eat in the afternoon <laughs> uh, because I'm not eating during the Lions game. You know, it's like, you know, that's just, you know, that's what this household's all about. And uh, then the brother-in-law, his side of the family, essentially decided they nobody was going to do anything for Thanksgiving. So they, in a way, kind of had to, come crawling back in order to do anything for Thanksgiving had to come to our house. So fortune favors the just Cody. Uh, <laughs> anything else you wanted to uh, talk about before we get out of here? No, I think that covers it. All right. Well, I want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you everybody for following on Twitter while you still can at Cody Stavenhagen at Kieran underscore Steckley at turn corner pod subscribe to us on apple and spotify five star review if you feel so inclined subscribe to the athletic so you can get all those juicy nuggets that cody leaves uh, in his articles and get you better informed on the detroit tigers so i want to wish everybody a happy thanksgiving hope we can be a part of it in some way whether you're driving somewhere or traveling or you know whatever while you're cooking throw us on there uh that, that means the world to us that we can be a part of your Detroit Tigers fandom. So for Cody Stavenhagen, I'm Kieran Steckley. Everybody have an amazing holiday week.